This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Well, good evening, Celebration Church. Good to have you with us tonight on our first Wednesday service. And a chance to share it with all of you. Um, Becky was just talking about February being a, a, a crazy time for us. It, it always is every year. This is the month of love because of Valentine's Day. And everybody and their uncle wants me to show up and talk. Uh, so we do that. It's, it's kind of like, you know, like a farmer's time of the year is harvest time. That's when they make all their money. <laughs> Or, or the retailers all in December, you know. Well, this is my time, so I'm working like crazy to pay all the bills. Praise the Lord. Amen. But it'll soon pass. <laughs> You'll see us on a regular basis. Uh, tonight, I want to talk to you uh, about a message I've entitled, How to Fail Successfully. Now, um, I mentioned some weeks ago on a Sunday morning about, uh, you know, I was, I was contemplating about the uh, suicide rate and how high it is climbing. And, uh, and when you look into the reasons that a lot of people kill themselves, it is really rather shocking. I mean, you know, somebody's husband leaves, uh, wife leaves, they kill themselves. They lose their job, they kill themselves. They do something, they fail miserably at something, they kill themselves. Their girlfriend breaks up with them, they kill themselves. I mean, on and on and on and on. There's all kinds of Answers and, and, and as I was thinking of this, and I, and I mentioned it that Sunday, I said, I, you know, I, I don't think people know how to fail. You know what? Because no matter what happens to you, your life is not over. Somebody say amen. amen. If your spouse leaves you, your life is not over. Amen. <laughs> Might need some counseling over there. Anyway... But in any case, your life is not over. For heaven's sake, if your boyfriend breaks up with you, if your girlfriend, especially that, your life isn't over. Man, you probably dodged a bullet. <laughs> Goodness gracious. They make a mistake. A business fails, whatever. And just, you know, do not think in terms, and don't let, because uh, Satan will come at your weakest moment and fill your head with all versions of crazy. And what he wants to do is suck any kind of hope that you have right out of your heart and out of your mind. When you take your own life, you, people have completely lost hope. There's no reason to go on. And I'm telling you, it's a lie. The devil is a liar. He's the father of lies. And he continues to lie to people. And when you're at your weakest moment, that's when all these lies start filling your head. Uh, but you need to know, no matter what happens to you, your life is not over. Your spouse leaves you, your life is not over. If uh, your boyfriend dumps you, thank God. All right, uh, if, if uh, your business fails, and some of this is, is really painful. I've experienced several of these events, you know. Financial failure, if the stock market completely and totally trashes overnight and you lose every single penny that you had in it, listen to me. 
your life is not over. It's just not. Life goes on. Someone you love really dearly dies, your life's not over. Life goes on. Things change, especially for a Christian. The reality is, it's not over even if you're not a Christian. It's a lot harder if you're not a Christian. Man, I can't imagine trying to do this without Jesus in your life. But your life isn't over. Someone dies and people that just think they can't go on. I don't, you know, I was at a funeral once and uh, I was playing the organ for the funeral. This was many, many years ago and my wife Debbie singing. And uh, people were coming up over the casket and they are howling in agony. People are passing out. I'm not kidding you. I've never seen anything like, you see stuff like that, like in the Middle East where people really get emotional about things, you know. This is in America, in Illinois. Bears fans. But uh, howling and screaming and yelling in agony. And, and then uh, I, I asked my wife, how old is this guy? She said, 96. 96? Now, not to be cruel, but what did they think was going to happen? You saw you in 96, you thank God for every day you got. You're over 100. I'm hoping to top 100. Woohoo! Irritate all y'all for a long time. But goodness gracious, all comes to an end at some point. They can't function. They can't breathe. I talk to people. You know, and, and so there's people who take the extreme route of taking their own lives. And there's people that just can't function. They don't kill themselves with another. They're a devastated mess. And they stay a devastated mess. And I'm telling you, you don't have to stay that way. I don't care what has happened to you. I don't care what failure you've had in your life. However your heart's been broken, listen to me. There is never a state of hopelessness for you, particularly if you trust in Jesus. Because you have a God in heaven who loves you and will fight for you to make things right. And I get it. Some of us get off track and we go down paths that we shouldn't go down. We get all little confused. But even then... God does not give up on you. He is fighting for you. Uh, but one thing you have to understand about failure is it doesn't define you. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to start the first part of this message just kind of from a, just a secular perspective. Then we'll get into the scriptures. But uh, it's amazing how many su successful people have failed so incredibly miserably. And I got a few examples here. I was looking online at uh, Abraham Lincoln the great president of the United States. In 1832, he lost his job. So he decides, I'm gonna run for state legislature. And he gets defeated. Well, then the next year, he starts a business, and it fails. And then the year after that, he finally got elected to the legislature, Woohoo! And then the next year, his sweetheart, the girl he loved, Ann Rutledge, died. He was devastated. The next year, he had a complete and total nervous breakdown. A couple of years later, in 1938, he was running for speaker, the legislature, and he was defeated. Uh, in, 1940, in 1843, he decides, well, I'm, I'm going to run for Congress. I want to get out there in the, on the, with the big boys. And he was defeated then. Uh, three years later, he tries again, and this time he gets elected. So he's finally in Congress. After all this time, 1846, that's his winning year. 1848, he loses. 
I mean, man, talk about discouraging. Then he ran for land officer <laughs> and lost that. I mean, this is bad. I don't think the guy could run for a dog catcher and win at this point. He tries several years later, now we're at 1854, and decides to run for Senate. I mean, he wouldn't give up. You got to hand that to him. And he's defeated. He works his way up the ranks in the Republican Party at that time, and he tries to get nominated as vice president in 1856, and he gets defeated again. And then he decides to run for Senate again in 1858, and he gets defeated again. And he becomes, two years later, the president of the United States. Holy cow. Now, you have got to wonder, something either wrong, something wrong with these people? <laughs> or maybe we all give up way too soon. I was reading a quote by Michael Jordan. Jordan said this in an interview. He says, I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. On 26 different occasions, I was entrusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why, Jordan says, I succeed. Wow. I was reading about Colonel Sanders. Y'all remember Colonel Sanders? Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, his whole life, throughout his entire career, uh, he failed at just about everything he did. So when he hits 65 years of age, he has a Social Security check with him. It's a whole $105. And that's when he sets out with his famous chicken recipe. He doesn't even try the chicken business until he's 65. For some of you geezers out there who think it's too late for you, apparently it's not. So when at 65, he goes out with his whole $105 Social Security check in his back pocket, and he attempts to sell his chicken franchise model. 1,009 restaurants rejected him before one accepted his offer. Now, at 65 to go out and have a 1,000 times someone tell you no, 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 that's just 20. And to keep going and knocking on doors. Things weren't going the way he wanted, but boy, when he hit it, he died an insanely wealthy man. I was reading about J.K. Rowling. She's the one who wrote those, you know, Harry Potter books. When she wrote the book, it took her seven years to write it. She was a single mother living on welfare. And uh, it took her seven years to write the book, the first book. And then when she finished, she went and took it to all 12 of the major publishing houses. And all of them rejected the book. You know, I'd love to know who the idiots were <laughs> that told her no. Do you think they still keep their jobs? You know, when all of a sudden a book gets released and it makes more money than you can possibly count and some idiot on your staff said, well, I'll send her back and I didn't think it'd be a good book. You got to wonder. There's somebody who'd probably have problems with failure. Goodness. Oprah Winfrey, she was fired from her first job in broadcasting and was told she was unfit for television. Author Stephen King was so discouraged he took his first book, Carrie, and threw it in the garbage. 
Later, his wife pulled it back out. And it was rejected by 30 different publishers until Doubleday picked it up. And the rest is history. Check out Sylvester Stallone. He was so broke when he was writing the script for Rocky, his electricity was turned off. And he was forced to sell his dog for $25 (laughs) just to turn the lights back on. And he was rejected by talent scouts over 1,500 times. Who in their right mind? And I got to tell you, you come to me and say, Pastor, I've tried something 1,499 times. I'm going to say, you know, you really probably ought to move on. I got to tell you, you know, because I have told people at some point, you know, hey, maybe this isn't working for you. But it didn't stop. And now he has one of the most recognized names and faces in the world. Man. Thomas Edison, when attempting to invent a commercially viable electric light bulb, he failed over 10,000 times. Who has the patience for that? Most people, they have one bad investment. I'll never invest again. One girlfriend breaks her heart. I'll never love again. Something goes wrong. I'll never try. Really? Come on. 10,000 times? This is beyond the pale. 10,000 attempts to make these things go. He was asked by a reporter, he said, how does it feel to fail 10,000 times? Thomas, Thomas Edison says, I haven't failed 10,000 times. I haven't even failed once. I have successfully proved there are 10,000 ways this will not work. (laughs) And when I had eliminated the ways that would not work, I found the one that did. And the rest is history. Well, I'm a Christian pastor, and that, that shouldn't happen to people who trust in God. I shouldn't have struggles and failures and make mistakes. Listen, everybody makes mistakes. The Bible is full of people who did incredibly stupid things, even people to whom God spoke audibly. One of the first ones was Noah. God speaks to Noah. I mean, it's pretty impressive, right? God shows up and starts talking to you. Whoa. Doesn't want to build this big boat. I don't know if he was anywhere near water. People probably think he was out of his ever-loving mind. And it took how many, a hundred, was it a hundred and some years? I can't remember. For one stinking boat. I liked a boat, but I had spent a hundred years building a boat, I'll tell you that. Finally, everything happens just like God said. And as soon as it's done, he plants the vineyard and gets hammered out of his ever-loving mind. He is so drunk, he's laying on the floor buck naked. Now, I don't know how much you got to drink before you decide I should be naked. I don't know that. I hope I never find out. And if you do, do not raise your hands. I don't want to know. That's a pretty big failure. Embarrassing. Not exactly the most perfect guy. Abraham lied. <laughs> Both times that we know of him lying is uh, uh, he'd come into to an area with his wife, Sarah. And apparently she was quite the ho-chi mama, you know, gorgeous chick. 
And first time a king takes a look at her and says, man, who is that? Abraham goes, that's my, uh, my sister. Now, in a way, he was kind of a half-lie. He was, she was actually his half-sister, which a long time ago, things were a little creepier. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but denied her that she was his wife, that, uh, yeah, she was his wife. And later, the king found out and said, why did you lie like that? And he said, I was afraid. Afraid? God is talking audibly to the man, moving him around, giving all these promises. Somebody wants his wife, and he just chickens out. Now, I'm surprised he didn't just beat the snot out of him. He does it to her twice. Two times. First time, she was 60 years old. Man, when you're 60 years old, and the king takes one look at you and goes, holy cow, who is that? You're a serious babe. Moses was a murderer. Now, I don't know how many of you have killed people. <laughs> I'm assuming no one. But that's a pretty strong line to cross. And that's what he did. He gets so mad at this Egyptian guy. He kills him, buries him in the sand. Somebody saw who it was who did it. And he goes running for his life. When God appeared to Moses out in the wilderness, the reason he was out in the wilderness is he was running from Punishment, because he was guilty of murder. And he was on the backside of that desert for 40 years. 40 years! And then God comes along and turns him into this incredible man. Samson, oh man, he was a hot mess. He was a womanizer, a boozer, got in all kinds of trouble. But despite the fact that he kept messing up, God kept using him. Now, I'm not encouraging you <laughs> to act in these ways. Pastor says it's okay to kill, but I didn't say that. All right? Or any of these other things. David, King David, well, what was this about? Here's a guy who killed Goliath. He's a mighty king like no other king before him. He's got I don't know, a dozen wives or water, plus concubines, which is basically a wife without legal status, just in case the 12 couldn't keep up with you. I don't, I don't know what these guys were thinking. <laughs> and he's on his castle one day, and he looks down and sees a woman taking a bath, which, by the way, is ladies, curtains. Anyway, she's out there buck naked, and he decides he's got to have her. Seduces her, has sex with her, gets her pregnant, and murders her husband. So he can marry her. But doesn't just murder him. He murders the whole platoon of men. Has them all killed. So that the one guy would get killed. Now, this is bad. I mean, a lot of people in this room have probably done things we all regret. But this is nasty. But yet it was never over for him. Even the Lord's disciples, who saw all these miracles and everything, all scattered and left him. In the end, Peter... After seeing people, Jesus raised people from the dead and do stuff that you and I wish we could see and hear things that wish we could hear. It would have been cool to actually just hang out with Jesus. And when pushed to the test, nah, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. He denies the Lord three times. Life can come at you in really hard ways. Things can happen to you that you wish would have never happened to you even when you trust God. 
Sometimes, even when you're trusting God, you're strongest, you'll still make mistakes and fail. Is it over? It is not. Read these men's lives. For some of them, that was their starting point. It wasn't over. Romans, the eighth chapter, says this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, it doesn't say that all things will be good. It just says all things will work together for the good. What things? Miserable, lousy things. All kinds of things happen that are heartbreaking and devastating. And I don't mean to be callous to those of you who are carrying some hurts or shames of failures and stuff like that. I get it. It's awful. Someone you love dies. I get it. It's painful. I understand. Been there. But life is not over. Even when you do something stupid. Say, Pastor, have you ever failed? Oh, my goodness. I got a PhD in stupid. I've done so many things. Honestly, I am absolutely convinced that most of what I learned is because I did it wrong in the first place. And then I figured out, you know, it's like a little kid when they first learn the concept of hot. You try and reason with them. Don't touch it, it's hot. And they stare at you until they finally stick their hand in the fire. And suddenly they go, hot, 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 hot. And then for a week they're walking around, hot, hot, hot. Every time they see something, they point, hot, hot. Because they learned hot. You can try and reason, explain it, but for some reason, you just don't get it until you do something stupid. And all of a sudden, hot, don't do that. This is a bad plan. So I thought if we had faith, we wouldn't have bad things happen to us. Who told you that? Well, I listen to a faith preacher on TV. Look, faith is great and it's encouraging, and I preach it as well. But don't ever fall under the delusion that if you have enough faith, nothing bad will happen to you. We live in a fallen world. There's all kinds of things that can happen to you. In fact, Jesus said this in John 16, verse 33. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. And then people are shocked whenever they encounter trouble. What did you think? Again, I've talked to so many people, and again, trying to be as compassionate as, as I can muster, uh, but something really horrible will happen to them, and, and then I watch them just melt in front of me, and they fall apart. And I think, well, what, did, what did you think was going to happen? You, you think your life was never going to have any problems? You thought everything was going to be okay? You think your children were always going to obey you? <laughs> that your teenager, you could trust them? If you trust your teenager, you're an idiot. All right. Whole nother sermon. You thought your job would never end? You don't know that. Economies change. Things go up. They go down. Right now they're on an up. I like up. I don't like down. He says, in this world you will have trouble. But then he says, take heart. Exclamation point. I have overcome the world. Now that doesn't mean that it erases the trouble. It just means that when you get in the trouble, don't give up. Psalm 34, 19. Here's an encouraging verse. The righteous person may have many troubles. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought if we did all this right, we wouldn't have any troubles. Who told you that? 
Not me. He says, the righteous person will have all kinds of troubles. You can imagine if you're not a righteous person. That's why people without Jesus, I don't know how they do this stuff. Their lives are just full of stuff going wrong all the time. There is definitely a place of blessing and security as a believer in Christ. My life is way more stable and a lot less crazy because I'm walking with Christ. I guarantee you. But still, stuff will happen. It'll just happen. The righteous person will have many troubles. The good news is the Lord delivers him from them all. You know, people always want to have a miracle. I've said this many, many times. People want to have, if I, if I ask how many here want, a miracle, you want to see a miracle, you know, they're all heads raised all over the place. But the problem with getting a miracle is you need one in the first place. That's the bad news. The bad news, God's just not going to come and just float you around the room, you know. You read about people being raised from the dead. That's cool, but the bad news is you've got to be dead. Jesus healing people who are blind. Well, that's awesome. The bad news is they had to be blind. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace. They were delivered. Woohoo! Bad news? They got thrown into a fiery furnace. <laughs> and they thought they were going to die. They weren't going around, nothing will happen to me. Now, there's a, you know, it's Toast City, man. They had to be shocked. That they're walking around. The, how surreal is that? I'm not dead. Are you dead? You're not dead either. I mean, they're all walking around. In this, anyone who got anywhere close to it was burning up. The guys who threw them in the fire were killed by the heat. But it didn't touch them. It was a miracle. Still, the bad news is you're in trouble. You got thrown in the fiery furnace. Daniel, in the lion's den. God closed the louse of the lion. Woohoo! Bad news, you got thrown in the lion's den. See, my version of faith is I don't get thrown in the lion's den. My version of faith is I don't die. My version of faith is I don't get sick in the first place. My version of faith is don't throw me in the fiery furnace. Do that to the other guy over there. But that's not the way it works. Miracles come when you need miracles. Don't get mad when things go wrong. You're just getting in a position oftentimes where God can do something miraculous in your life. And we all learn through these troubles. I mean, nobody likes it. I get it. I hate it. I hate being inconvenienced at all. <laughs> I do. I'm just horrible. I hate waiting at the drive through It's been 12 seconds. Where are you people? The horse is on the phone. They put you on hold. I, I spent hours on the phone just talking to Delta. As much as I fly. Well, let me put you on. No! Little dorky songs they play. You listen to them. 47 times they come back on. <sighs> Nobody likes to be inconvenienced or have troubles, and I certainly do not. Paul writes these words. He says in Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. How many of you are aware of this experience? Yeah? I know what it's like to be completely and totally broke. I know what it's like to have money. I vote after this great experience to have money. All right? <laughs> Having experienced the two, I like this a lot better than this. He says, I've learned the secret. Have you learned the secret? The thing about a secret is most people don't know it. <laughs> That's why it's called a secret. 
Have you learned the secret? How do you deal with all this nonsense? He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want, I've learned the secret. I just, I learned to be happy. I preach this so many times, you know, just don't live in the world if I'd rather be and if only. Oh, if only this would happen in my life. Oh, if only that would happen in my life. Pastor, I, I could be happy if I just had a new car. Pastor, I could be happy if I just had a new house. Pastor, if I hadn't married this idiot, would have married the other idiot, I'd be so much happier. Everything's always, always got to be something else. Man, don't be there. Don't live like that. Learn to be happy, even if nothing changes. In fact, that's really the key to this whole thing. You know what the key to a miracle is? To be content without a miracle. And that's why most people don't get a miracle. Because they need a miracle, and they're miserable, and they're crying, and they're howling, and they're belly aching, and they're whining. La, 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 la. Why doesn't God show up? Because you don't shut up for five seconds. That's why even in the midst of your misery, you think, you know, it's like the, the guys that got thrown in the fiery furnace. You know what their deal was? They said, listen, king, because the king told them to bow down and worship him. He said, oh, no, we can't do that. And he said, well, I'm going to throw you into the French fry over here. He said, listen, he says, we believe our God can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. We will not bend. We will not worship the idol. So that was their attitude. It wasn't that attitude. I know God will deliver us no matter what. People sometimes quote that. That's not really the whole story. He says, I think God can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, which they didn't know. Either way, they're good. I think that's what gets God's attention. When all of a sudden, in the middle of all kinds of misery, contentment comes, and all of a sudden, God becomes aware. Not that he's not aware, but you know, it's, something. it's, it's like the lady, you know, who's going through the crowd, who is sick, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden, she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, and she touches his garment, and all of a sudden, she's healed, and Jesus goes, who touched me? Now, he's being mauled by hundreds of people everywhere. His disciples are thinking, hello, <laughs> everybody's touching you. No, no, no. See, something got God's attention, and that woman had faith. I think when we hit a place of contentment and say, I, I'm going to love you, God. I'm going to serve you, even if nothing changes. You know, I deal with couples all the time. You know, they're convinced they can't be happy unless their husband does X. They'll never be happy unless their wife does what? Well, what are you going to do if they never do it? I mean, I'll show you how to, how to get there, theoretically. <laughs> I'll encourage you with advice. But what if they never do it? What are you going to do? You've been miserable for the rest of your life? Because he doesn't want to share. Oh, my husband to share with me. He doesn't want to share. He's a man. <laughs> no, I think he's an idiot. For his own benefit, I tell him you ought to share. But he doesn't, what are you going to do? You're just going to be miserable forever? Stop. At some point, you've got to realize, you know what? Even if nothing changes, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be content. I'm going to make an adjustment. I'm going to find another way to put a smile on my face because God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Good preaching, Pastor Mark. All right. And that's when Paul says this. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Other translations, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's all the same thing. People always quote that as a great victory verse. It's, it's really not. It's a my life sucks verse. I can do this. I can do this. I can do all this miserable stuff. 
Because Jesus strengthens me. This isn't heaven. I'm just passing through this place. James chapter 1 verse 2. He says, consider it pure joy. Do you know what pure joy looks like? Can you imagine pure joy? Pura vida, as they would say in Costa Rica. Pure, pure life, pura vida. Pure joy. Consider it pure joy. When? Whenever you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> what? What he's saying is consider it pure joy when everything in your life is going wrong. Who does this? You think only crazy people would do that. Well, at some point, you got to get a little crazy. And so praise the Lord. The context is like having a party. You know, celebrating. Pure joy. Inviting your friends over. Come on over. We're having a party. Why are we celebrating? <laughs> My life sucks. Woo! Who cares? It's going to be okay. I can still be happy. I told this story a few times, but when we first moved to Green Bay, and we still had a house in Stevens Point. Actually, it was a nice place. Oh, no. McNeil Pond, is that what it's called over there? I can't remember, but uh, nice, real pretty. And uh, we couldn't sell the stupid house. It was taking forever. And there were so many people that came up to me. The nice people, sweet people. And I know they, they meant well. I'm not criticizing them. I just kind of felt bad for them. They came up to me and said, Pastor, you must be so sad that your house hasn't sold. And I remember, I'd always look at them and go, no, no. I'm okay. I wanted to sell. I'm not sad. But the reason I felt bad for them is because I know they would be. I know they would be. They would be miserable. They would be sad. They would be overwhelmed. They'd be verklempt. <laughs> so bummed out every day. Why is the house going to sell? I don't. Again, I wanted to sell a stupid house. It wouldn't sell. And it stayed in that condition for at least three years, I think. Two house payments for three years. Woo! Is that fun? Stupid house. Anyway, finally, my house sold, and uh, people come running up to me. You must be so happy that your house sold. And I go, no, not really. I mean, I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I mean, you know, this is hardly even anybody knew me at this point, but I'm thinking, really? Because I know they would be. If something happens good, they're in heaven. If something happens bad, they're horrified and miserable. And I'm trying to encourage you, don't live your life that way. Because if something really bad happens, it'll suck the life out of you. It'll destroy you. Uh, you may not take your own life, God forbid, but your life is just going to be a mess. Back to Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 28. And we know that all these things work together for good to them that love God. Again, it doesn't say that all things good will happen to you. So all these things he could take. So what's the key to overcoming this? Is to have a long-term view. Have a long-term view of your life. Don't let one thing, don't get so focused on one thing that you can't see anymore. Because that's when hope and desperation comes in. If you try hard, you've been at this business for 10 years. Every dime you have is invested in this business. And at the end of the day, it just fails and bellies up and you got to file bankruptcy, you're going to be okay. You say, it's going to hurt. Yeah, it hurts. You know, it's like going to a doctor. <laughs> you're all, yeah, it hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> Arms in a sling. But sometimes you got to go through the pain to get to better, right? They, they fix things and thank God, it's better. There's, 
Thank the Lord for pills too. But it's painful. Some things are just painful. But you can make it. It'll be okay. Don't lose hope. Learn to celebrate life no matter what circumstance that you're in. He says here in Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 31, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Don't be myopic. You know what myopic means? Is when you can't see very far. Now, in my natural state that God put me on this earth, I was very myopic. I used to wear very thick glasses. <laughs> There's photos of me. I look like a bug. <laughs> I look at the guy with really thick glasses because my eyes were just horrible. Uh, and I couldn't see anything. I took off my glasses and you all would just <laughs> turn into a blur, okay? Well, then, so well, what happened? You have a miracle? Well, no, I got LASIK. But anyway, but I still wear glasses because it's not, it wasn't absolutely perfect. They said, we can do it again. I thought, no, one was good enough. Besides, I like wearing glasses. I think I look cool. <laughs> but the reality is I don't really need them because you're still pretty much in focus. With I need them more than anything because at the bottom part are you know, the bivocals, and I can read up close. Otherwise, this becomes a problem. But anyway, don't, if you're myopic, you, you can't see very far. Most of my life, when I, without my God, I couldn't see anything. You know, thank God for the LASIK thing. Now it's great. You know, I can run around with or without my God. There's times I walk around like this and go, where are my glasses? <laughs> Anybody ever do that? Yeah. Duh. But when you're not myopic, you can see. You can see. Think long-term. Don't get so focused. If you only think about the events in your life within a short little window and think goes wrong, you're going to be miserable. How do you survive this stuff? You think long-term. Even couples, you know, who are struggling with each other. Because we all do. There's times we all irritate the snot out of each other. It, just, it is what it is. You know, marriage wasn't designed to make you happy. Poor single people. That's what they think. Oh, I'll be so happy. Yeah, oh yeah, it'll be a thrill a minute. You know. <laughs> then why do it? Because two, the Bible says, are better than one. Two people working together for the same goals, doing the same thing, pushing the same direction, can build a successful life. More so than by yourself. Not that you're hopeless without your, by yourself, but I'm just saying. But it doesn't mean it's going to be unending peace and joy. How do you get through the bad times? Keep a long-term view. I remember, you know, after 45 years of marriage, now I'm a newlywed again. So <laughs> it wasn't too long ago, Deanna, who's sitting at home because she didn't show up. <laughs> no, no, she's, she's working. She's getting stuff fixed. We're going on. She's going on a really long road trip. I get a break, but uh, uh, she's going to go visit family and stuff. But uh, so she's packing everything up. We leave tomorrow morning. Anyway. I remember one time she was really upset and then she was upset because I wasn't upset that she was upset. <laughs> Any guys ever been there? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. And in her frustration she says, how come you're not upset that I'm upset? And I said, I just keep a long-term view of the situation. <laughs> I don't panic because things aren't going great right now. Uh, and we all have times where we're not happy right now and we struggle right now and we fail right now and make mistakes right now and all these different things. But if you'll just keep a long-term view of your life, God isn't done with you. As long as you're still breathing, he's not done with you. And he can still turn situations around in your life. Some situations seem like they never change. There's some people, they, they get long-term health problems that never goes away. Others, 
you know, they're in poverty all their lives. Well, what does that mean? They can still be happy. I'm telling you, you can still be happy. I vote for no poverty, but if it happens to me, it happens to me, you know. You can, the world is full of poor people who are happy. It's true. In America, you'd never know that because we think, without money, you can't be happy. I'm telling you, you can. I've been in these countries. To be honest with you, I've been in poor countries where I look around and say, you know, these people are a lot happier than most Americans. They're a lot happier. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe, maybe we're not doing this right. Everyone's all stressed out all the time. When you got nothing, just take it easy. They don't have to worry about a mortgage payment. It's kind of a cardboard house, you know. They don't worry about much anything. They don't got to worry about fixing a car. They don't got a car. You know, they bum rides from other people. I've been in really poor. I'm, I'm telling you, if you've never done it, you ought to do it. You ought to go on one of these mission trips and go see how poor people really live. And you'll be shocked at how unbelievably happy these people are. All this stuff that we get sometimes like a weight around our necks. You don't need things to be happy. Uh, there's people who struggle with heavy physical ailments and handicaps and stuff, and they're just as happy as they can be. Why? They've learned the secret, you see. They learn the secret to be content, whatever. Now, if you are in a bad place and are having a hard time and am failing and making big mistakes, we'll be happy to pray with you and trust God to turn a situation in your life. We serve a God who does answer prayer. But one of the keys to that prayer, I'm telling you, is to reach a state of contentment. It's when you finally say, it's going to be okay. Do you know why? Because if, if, uh, if you stay in a state of panic, it's the opposite of faith. I'll close with a story, and I've told this story before. Most of my stories I tell because I only know like 10 stories. But uh, I was uh, um, traveling around uh, doing concerts. This is a long time ago, <laughs> a really long time ago. And uh, I, I had a recording studio, and I was doing jingles, you know, like for radio, television commercials. You know, like, you guys ever hear, Coke is it? You ever hear that? I didn't write that. But anyway, uh, you know, this is what I did for a living. And I was doing it for all these radio stations and stuff and companies and stuff. And stuff. But then I'd also go and do Christian concerts and stuff. So we were on a trip down to Indiana and we had all our equipment in this trailer and stuff like that. And uh, we're driving back from the concert, going down the freeway of Illinois, around Chicago. And, <laughs> and it was a small U-Haul trailer behind us and the truck was wide. So you couldn't, you have to really kind of get an angle, you know, see the trailer. So you just weren't watching all the time. You didn't see it. And at one point, the guy with me says, you see the trailer? I said, no, I don't What? And we pulled over, we both walked around, the trailer was gone. <laughs> gone? How does the trailer disappear? Poof, it was gone. We called the police. We was, I thought for sure there's 30 dead people somewhere. <laughs> you know, car wreck, the wild trailer goes spilling, crash, crash. People are crashing into each other. I'm just la, 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 driving because I'm clueless when I drive. I thought, oh my gosh, I just killed who knows how many people. I was freaking out. State trooper says, no, no there's no reports of anything. Said, no crashes? I said, no. I said, oh, anybody report a trailer? Because <laughs> where's the trailer? And, and then it hits me. All of my musical equipment is in that trailer. Now, there's like $10,000, $15,000 of equipment in there, which at that point in my life, 40 years ago, was a huge amount of money. It's still money, but a lot easier to deal with it today than back in those days. I mean, it was. And my heart filled with absolute fear. 
how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to succeed? Where am I going to get $10,000, $15,000? How am I going to start over again? I'm, and your heart, just, you get in these situations, your heart just freezes. And I remember, because I learned this secret a long time ago, you got to get content. And I just started praying. I was by myself praying. And I, I just prayed through to the point where I could say to God, Lord, I ask you for a miracle. But just like the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you can deliver me. But even if you don't, it's okay. It's going to be okay. I know it's going to be okay because you always take it. And I'm telling you, such peace came over me. I just wasn't freaked out. I wasn't worried. Did I have the trailer? Nope. Did I know what I was going to do? Nope. <laughs> could I pay my bills? Nope. But I went home and just content. I'm telling you, I, I can't describe to you. I just wasn't afraid. Because if you stand in a place of fear, it's the opposite of faith. And fear cancels faith. You've got to have faith. I just got in a place of faith. I'm just driving home happy as a clam. Pulling the driveway, my wife comes running up. Someone had just called. Really? Yeah, he found your trailer. Really? That's awesome. Yeah, but he's holding it hostage. <laughs> so what do I mean? He wants several thousand dollars before he'll give you your trailer back. And I'm talking to this guy on the phone. You know, he's just he's trying to do a shakedown. He said, well, we were following you guys, and all of a sudden your trailer pops off. And it just stays right on the road. Pulls into the, off to the side of the road, going through people's yards. And then it just, and it just pulled over the side of the road, right on the side, perfect, where the gravel is, and it just stopped. I'm picturing two angels riding that thing. I mean, it should have, right? Just, just it rode and then parked on the side of the road all by itself. They thought it was amazing. The dirty rats trying to shake me down. They were impressed. And I was, but then we saw you weren't coming back, so we took it. And we see what's in there. You're going to have to pay us money to get it back. So we called the police. It's a long story. They set up a sting. They busted at them all. It was hilarious. I had great fun with it. And I got the trailer back. And I opened it up, and nothing was missing. This is two weeks in the south side of Chicago. All that stuff. You know how easy it would have been pawn that stuff off? And they kept every bit of it was there. They busted these guys. They're in handcuffs. We're riding in the back of the vehicle. I thought, I should preach to them now because they're a captive audience. And, and I did, but they didn't really care. But anyway, bottom line, it was a cool story. Great answer to prayer. People say, weren't you terrified? I was. But you can't stay there. You can't stay in a state of fear and panic and misery and discontent. If you learn to get happy in the midst of it, God will do wonderful things in your life. And don't get discouraged when you fail. We've all failed. I've got so many fail. I don't have time to tell you. We're going to keep a series going on for the rest of the year. <laughs> COVID over Mark's stupid decisions. Mark's dumb moves. Mark's horrible mistakes. What was he thinking on this day? You have no idea what I was thinking that day. Oh, my goodness, I got some great stories. Oh, I wish I could share them, but I don't have time. Anyway, so, but just, if nothing else, let me encourage you, don't let failure discourage you. Even if what you did is 100% your fault and you are completely stupid, has no one to blame but yourself, even then, it's not over. God isn't done with you yet. He can turn your situation around. You could be a murderer on the run for 40 years and God could turn you into one of the greatest men the world has ever known. 
It's never, ever, ever too late. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and your encouragement. I pray for people, Lord, listening to me here and around the world on the internet. There's a lot of people going through a lot of hard, painful situations in their life right now. And I get it. They hurt. Pain hurts. That's why they call it pain. But Lord, help these people, especially those who trust in you, find a place of contentment. Help them to reach out and to trust you, knowing that you will always be there for them, that you're not done with them. And we just pray against any spirit of uh, emptiness and hopelessness, particularly against the spirit of suicide that seems to be going rampant in our country today. Lord, help people to step back and realize doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what was done to you. Doesn't matter what's been done to someone close to you. It's never hopeless and it's never ever too late because with God, all things are possible if we'll just believe. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless y'all. Don't forget to get your children.